This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another beautiful Tuesday evening. As always, I am Bill Nye, the Dynasty Guy, accompanied by the dearest friend, cohort in the world, Mr. Eric Kravitz, who I'm 4-1 against this season in Dynasty. You are 4-1 and one against me. And just, just in general, um, Will is 4-1 and one against you. You're listening to First Down Dynasty, though. That's very important. You can follow us on the X Twitter at FDD underscore ethos. We are also active still at BNK Radio. And Will, other than the league that matters most, you do have my number this year. Uh, it, it has been a good start, obviously, mm-hmm. because we played so, each other so many times early in the season. We have rematches in all these leagues, so you have a chance to get back into uh, the season series. And I guess it, the, only, the only one that matters is the one that matters, and that's the win that I have. Yeah, and I'm just hoping I don't go 0-2 against you in that league. You're hoping, not to go Owen, you're hoping not to go 0-13. <laughs> I, I will not be let's going 0 pretend, Let's not pretend that that's not a that's, possibility. That's not going to happen. Moment. We're fine. We're fine. We're good. We're good. <laughs> are are we you the dog in the burning house meme? Good. Exactly. This is, this is fine. Or I just walked in with a pizza and everything's chaos. Yes. Whichever one. But a crazy week in fantasy in general this past week. And we absolutely must start with the Miami Dolphins, and, you know, we knew this offense was going to be good as long as Tua was healthy. But a couple of other things have now happened, and they didn't even have Jalen Waddle this game. Not only is Tua pinpoint accurate right now, Tyreek Hill is running around everybody, big touchdowns, Mostert was running past everybody, and now you add, now he's gone through several iterations, it was Devon Akane, Devon Shane, and I believe Kravitz, what, what's the new iteration of this man's name? He wants to go by A-Chan. Like 4chan? Or, or A-Chan, mm. like he's a weeb. I don't know. I'm not entirely sold on that, but the, the easy thing to do when we don't know how to pronounce somebody's name, the correct way is to give somebody a nickname. And... This guy's nickname sort of like, like he sort of just like existed and was born with this name. And Will, I want you to be the person to be the one to birth it, at least in our lore. Well, to, to me, it, it fits perfectly. I'm going to call him Devin A-Train because that man is a bullet train and he is absolute speed is one thing when you register it at the combine, when you actually see game speed. And him just running by everybody. Now, it's probably not going to be this way every game, but Mostert, A-Chain, and Hill, you have three of the five fastest guys in the league on your offense. They had the six fastest speeds recorded just this past weekend, and they were all 20-plus miles an hour. The guys are freaking insane. Tyreek Hill, I, I want to talk about him first before we really dive into the running backs. He had nine receptions for 157 yards and a touchdown, and people aren't talking about him. 
He said at the beginning of the year that he wanted to go for 2,000 yards. He's already up to 412 three games in. He 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 got shut down against New England last week against Christian, Christian Gonzalez. Words are very hard. Only 40 yards and a touchdown. But against the Chargers, 215 yards. This past week, 157 yards. The dude might legitimately hit 2,000 yards receiving. It's very possible. And he hit the 215 with Jalen Waddle on the field. We obviously went over how Waddle wasn't on the field this week. Could have put Will on the field. He could have put me on the field. It wouldn't have mattered. That team was going to run rough shot all over the Broncos. And I think there are a few reasons behind it. Peyton started talking shit. He found out. McDaniels was a ball boy for Denver. He wanted to play for the Broncos. It didn't work out. There's a myriad of reasons why this game ended up being the way that it was, but goddamn, might be the most fun I've ever had watching a football game that didn't involve the Jets. Well, definitely the most offensively explosive game I think we've ever actually seen. Over 700 total yards of offense, 70 points. And you look at it, I don't know how you stop them if they're capable of all that. Because you could literally put the two wide receivers outside. Move Waddle outside. Don't even put him in the slot. Because you can have two running backs. Go a full house backfield with both those running backs, those two wide receivers, and a tight end. Or Barrios, Ashcraft, whoever the third receiver is. How do you stop that? You have no idea where they're going. And every one of those guys can blow right past any defender. They had two or three gadget plays at the goal line where you legitimately didn't know where they were going to go with both A-Train and Raheem Mostert in the backfield. Either Mostert was the eye guy and Tua was uh, standing next to A-Train or vice versa. And just, there were like little flicks, like Patrick Mahomes-like shovel passes to Jarek McKinnon, which we finally saw again this past weekend, into the end zone. And A-Shane had a 70-yard touchdown run. Mostert had a 20-yard touchdown run. Each of them had four touchdowns on the day. And I want to repeat that because it's ridiculous. Each of them had four touchdowns on the day. The first time in recorded history, a pair of running back teammates had over 45 points in the same game in full PPR. Do we have a name for this, for those running backs? Like... We obviously, there's famous running back games or famous games in general where guys put up just stupid individual game numbers. But I don't even know what to call this because it, because it was such a team win and domination. But then those two individual running backs, you forget Tyreek Hill, but those two running backs doing what they did, Mostert and A-Chain, I, I don't even, what do you call this game? Like we could say that Denver came down with a case of bronchitis. Mm. Maybe. Because they choked. Boom. I wish I had come up with something better on the spot. I will. By the time the show ends, I'll come up with something. But I literally just thought of that in the moment. And it worked out a little bit. Not a lot. Just a little bit. And as much as I want to keep talking about Devon A. Train, because I have eight shares of him in my 27 leagues. Just one for me. Jesus Christ, I'm in way too many fantasy football leagues. This yeah, is gross. Right. There are other things that did happen over the course of this past weekend. True. You know, one of the things, you know, certain players have a tendency to get injured more than others. And these guys come with risks if you draft them. And typically, 
Mike Williams is a guy that has missed time, various injuries, isn't like healthy, plays, you know, 10 games a year out of the season. At least it feels like that. But he is going to miss the rest of the season altogether. He has a torn ACL. Had a good game up until that point, and the Chargers are a bit of a mess. But ultimately, they had uh, they got their first win. Solid game from Keenan Allen, which I hate because he cost me a win. Uh, also helped me get a win, so, you know, give and take. But Mike Williams is a big loss for the Chargers. They reportedly may get Eckler back, so those of you that have been struggling without your top running back to start the season, maybe some reprieve there. But the wide receiver two spot in the Charger offense is now up for grabs. And, Kravit, we have two candidates there, both on our waiver claims list for the week. Josh Palmer, available in the majority of leagues, even Dynasty, because he's you know a lesser-known guy. And, obviously, Quentin Johnson, probably drafted. But out of the two, what are you thinking happens here? If I don't have either of them, and if I'm in a league where both of them are available, honestly, I think I'm going Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer last year really stepped up when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were hurt. He has a really good rapport with, um, not Philip Rivers, uh, Justin Herbert. Why did I say Philip Rivers? Jeez, that's crazy. But getting back to uh, Joshua Palmer, he's pre- he's been really, really, really good for the Chargers over the last couple of years when he's had to step up. And today, uh, Staley had said that Quentin Johnson didn't see the field not necessarily because he wasn't, you know, there were lack of opportunities, but because of the excess of talent in the wide receiver room in the Chargers locker room. That doesn't give me a lot of good vibes when it comes to, okay, Quinston Johnson's going to be my guy. I still think over the course of the year, he could end up being somebody who does contribute, but that's over the long haul. And I say that specifically because Staley came out and said it was our intent to get him along gradually, bring him along slowly, and now obviously that plan is out the window. If you're a win-now team, I'm looking at Josh Palmer over Quinton Johnston, but the draft capital for Johnston is there, and I can guarantee you they're going to at least try to get him involved as much as possible now that the bring him along slowly plan is out the window. There are wide receivers that have had high draft capital who have been complete garbage. I could talk about you, Jalen Ragers, all you want. He, at least one person we know, has compared Jalen Rager to Quinton Johnson, and God damn, I would be so happy if that did not end up being the case. But over the past three weeks, Quinton Johnson has less than 10 targets. He's been on the field for less than 30% of the plays. It's uh, put up or shut up time now, and I really hope he puts up. Josh Palmer will put up because we've seen him do it in the past. So I think Josh Palmer is your much safer bet. If you're listening to us for a redraft team, 100% Josh Palmer. If you're win now in Dynasty, also Josh Palmer. If you're more of a rebuild, long haul kind of guy, Quentin Johnson, in my opinion, is who you should be looking at. Yeah, no, I wouldn't really be surprised either. Like Most people don't give up on players that quickly. But if you got an owner that's trying to go for it and not getting anything out of Quinton Johnson, they may sell early, so that might be something you could look into picking up. In addition to that injury, other notable injuries uh, for quarterbacks. Jimmy G is in the concussion protocol. You may get an Aiden O'Connell game, uh, relevant especially if you guys are in super flex leagues uh, with the Dynasty 2 QB leagues as well. Also, Derek Carr 
AC shoulder joint sprain. He's expected to be out a few weeks, which means Jameis Winston moves in. A very capable backup. Hmm, capable backups. Some teams know how to do that the right way. Uh, as we get to the note that uh, Zach Wilson is still the <laughs> starter, um, but the Jets did sign Trevor Simeon. If that doesn't get your uh, your blood flowing a little bit, Trevor Simeon's coming to save the season. No, no, no. I don't like that. We destroyed Trevor Simeon last year. Demolished him, and now we need to treat him as our savior? Are you joking? There are... A- so many other quarterbacks out there. Carson Wentz comes to mind. Nick Foles comes to mind. And I know the Jets front office is like, oh, they want us to bring in another quarterback. The fans are restless. Let's bring in Trevor Simeon. This will play safe them. No, it won't. It won't do anything for us except piss us off more. Because we know the only reason you brought him in was to try to shut us up. And in the wrong way. Right? Like, there is no, like, the the adage is famous people hate their fans. And I guess that goes along with owners of sports teams, at least in our experiences, because, God damn it, I feel like Woody Johnson in the front office of the New York Jets hate their fans. How, how can Rob Sala stand up there? Zach Wilson's 100% our quarterback. There was only one quarterback over the last decade that has measured less on, I forget the name of the scale, uh, pro, pro fantasy focus, pro football focus came out with a chart and a graph. It's the QB efficiency ratings. Yes. The, the one quarterback who is worse than Zach Wilson over the last 10 years is Josh Rosen. No other quarterback compares to Zach Wilson and how bad he is. And there have been a ton of bad quarterbacks to come through the NFL over the past 10 years and this is what you show us this is what you say is okay we have some negative friends we have some friends who were negative on the jets from the get-go because it's the jets and we try to be positive i try to be positive and those of you who know me know how really goddamn hard it is for me to try to be positive it hurts a lot and To have to face this person who has been negative on the Jets since before the season started and to say, you know what, Wyoming, you were right. I hate it. You know, here's the thing. It just seems like there's a tone deafness. For whatever reason, they're trying to save Zach's career as opposed to save the team. And on some level, I can understand it. But mostly, you're just doing it wrong. Just accept that you made a mistake and this kid is not it. And move on. The 49ers made a worse decision than you did. They picked Trey Lance one pick later, but they gave up three first-round picks to do it. And you know what? They found another kid who was better, and they got rid of the mistake. They moved on. They did the right thing and made the right decision. This set of decisions, wrong decisions. That's it. But Kravitz, would you rather be a Jet fan dealing with Zach Wilson or a Bear fan dealing with Justin Fields? I I think I would rather be a Jets fan. Oh, no, a Bears fan. I think I'd rather be a Bears fan because you have two first-round picks next year. You have your pick and the Carolina Panthers pick. 
The Panthers right now look like one of the worst teams in football, and the Bears are the second worst team in football to the Jets. You 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 can't tell me that the Jets aren't a worse team. I'll fight you on it. Well, they have um, a better defense I'll, I'll, at least. I'll lose because of the defense, but I'm still going to fight you tooth and nail on it. So the Bears are realistically going to have at least two top seven to top eight picks. Next year's draft is very quarterback heavy, even outside of Caleb Williams. So they're going to probably, probably go ahead and replace Justin Fields in the draft next year and try their rebuild from the ground up again. And I know that they've been doing it for quite some time. For the Jets, we can't do that. Our pick is going to be later than at least one of those picks because we already won a game. We won week one against the Bills. And our team right now is built to win now. With the way the defense is playing, the offensive line is bad, but they're starting to come along a little bit. They had two of the highest-rated offensive linemen this weekend. Did not feel that way, but according to Pro Football Focus, that's what it was. Um, Garrett Wilson was open literally all weekend long, but Zach couldn't find him. They do need a better second wide receiver. I've been saying that from the jump. I did not think Alan Lazard was it, and lo and behold, was right. Dalvin Cook does not look like he's it, and Brees is still coming along from his injury. So you're saying what we've been saying for months, that they should have just, once they couldn't get their linemen, taken Jackson, Smith, and Jigba with the 15th overall pick instead of Will McDonald, who, while he has talent, isn't, doesn't really get on the field at all. So yeah. that, that, would, that would have been a better choice. Rather, he's in Seattle behind two wide receivers and doesn't get enough action right now as it is no uh, jack um jsn has sort of been a bust if you think about it he was only on the field 44 percent of the snaps this week and only three targets and only caught one of them i mean he will be fine because i doubt lockett really has much time left but he is behind two you know more veteran premier receivers mm -hmm. J and jsn would have immediately contributed had he oh, had we drafted him anybody would have qj would have addison would have Tank Dell would have, Pukunakua would have. Dude, if we had it in Jigba or Addison, granted, now we find out we would have been getting throws from Zach Wilson instead, but the prospects looked a lot better. Like, I still would have been happy watching the Jets play football. Right now, it does not look like that happiness is going to happen anytime soon. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that the Jets have that quarterback situation. But, Will, there are other teams with other quarterback situations that have to be addressed in this early season. Yeah, no. I mean, the problem is Fields at least was supposed to be a lot better. And he just has not been not getting any of the rushing yards. And, unfortunately, his numbers are right in line with Zach Wilson's, if you could actually believe that. Go figure. Um, you mentioned the Jimmy G and the car injuries. Burrow played this week, was not expected to, and looked okay. Not great, but he's you know going to be dealing with it all season long. Uh, and then a few interesting things to keep an eye on. I don't know if it'll actually get to this point, but right now the Minnesota Vikings are winless. Does Kirk Cousins get traded anywhere? No, I not yet. I think that the Vikings are too good of a team to actually go ahead and say, all right, we'll go ahead and trade. We'll go ahead and trade our quarterback. 
who is not the problem, by the way, this year. He's got nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Kirk Cousins is having himself a hell of a year right now, and nobody's talking about it. What's he got? He's got over 1,000 yards on the year already. In three games, nine touchdowns, only two interceptions. Like, Kirk Cousins is playing really well. Like, week one, he looked bad. He lost a couple of fumbles. He lost a fumble in Philadelphia. He did throw a pick against the Chargers. But those early season, it's still an early season. Those earlier season turnovers are going to quell themselves. They're going to not be there. I think the Vikings have almost matched their season total on fumbles in three weeks to their totals from last year. And Dalvin lost four. But Madison has given up a few. Kirk has given up a few. I think even Jefferson and Addison have one each. Just a crazy sequence of, you know, bad breaks and just not being able to hang on to the football. Offense ineffective in the first half, so, you know, Cousins is forced to have to put up those big numbers to try to come back. And just an interesting thing to keep an eye on. If they continue to go winless, if they get to 0-5, 0-6, you know, you never know. Just something to keep an eye on. So what you're saying is if you go 0-5, 0-6, you should make a trade to try to help your long-term prospects? Is that what you're saying? In the NFL, yeah. Oh. Oh, what, 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 were, you, what were you trying to get at? Um, I'm saying that sometimes it might make sense to go ahead if you're winless to try to make a change for the better to try to give your team something to do and to work towards, towards the end of the year. Mm. That's yeah, all I'm saying. The problem is that usually doesn't help if you're giving up your best players. I mean, when you have a, when you have a finite amount of space on your roster week in and week out, you want to do what you can to put together the best starting, whatever you want to put together the best starting lineup you possibly can. Sometimes you need to break down to build up. Sometimes teams are more than just the sum of their parts, Will. Sometimes being 0-3, less than two points from last place, and, and losing, and, and finding yourself on a path of misfortune, you might need to make a change. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is changes might have to happen. You're right. And instead, I'm going to pray to Shiva Kamini Soba and try to cleanse my aura after cleansing myself of my sins. Anyway. What a bad guy. Josh Dobbs is apparently a thing. He's getting better every week. <laughs> I love the fact that Josh Dobbs is a thing, man. He gives bald guys everywhere a, 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 a good name. <laughs> and I know it's alopecia. I mean that in jest. Arizona taking it to and beating the Dallas Cowboys after the Jets and Giants couldn't do a goddamn thing against them. Will, do you feel comfortable starting Arizona Cardinals players moving forward, or is this like a fluke law, uh, loss in the wind type deal? Well, depending on you know your league and your settings, you're probably starting, uh, or at least you have Josh Dobbs on a roster. But I would feel comfortable starting him at this point. Uh, definitely, I think would be okay obviously as a second uh, quarterback. And as far as the weapons, James Conner's a workhorse until, you know, he's not able to take the field, which will probably happen at some point. But for right now, he absolutely is. And Marquise Brown is solid. And I think the guy I'm keeping an eye on as a second option, Zach Ertz is always going to be around. He comes and goes. He's going to be, you know, solid enough after the first few weeks. 
the guy I'm keeping an eye on is actually Michael Wilson, who doesn't have a ton of targets, but is a big play threat. Uh, so definitely like an emergency fill-in type. Uh, but I think his usage is going to go up as these weeks go by. So I do like Dobbs. Connor's always been there. And uh, Brown and Wilson are two guys that I'd be okay starting. this. I mean, Michael Wilson did have a really huge catch this past weekend. Hollywood Brown has weeks with back-to-back touchdowns. Uh, and historically, I haven't been a fan of this guy, but James Conner has looked amazing with literally no competition behind him. He's really taking control and once again, turning into a top running back uh, at this early stage in the season. But that's just it. He and a lot of the other older, in quotes, running backs, because they're all younger than we are, that hurts to say, um, normally start out the season very well. And as the season goes on, they wear down. Like my boy Raheem Mostert, which makes me sad. Like James Conner, which makes me sad. Like DeAndre Swift, who has found a brand new life in Philadelphia, but he will eventually break down at some point, which also makes me sad. But you just traded him away, didn't you? I did just trade him away. Um, But that was a redraft league. So if I'm trading away DeAndre Swift in a dynasty league, I'm going to get a lot more back than Chris Godwin. What, What should I get for... Hypothetically speaking, hypothetically, what should I get get for DeAndre Swift if I'm trading in a dynasty league? Well, it depends where you are. If you're trying to um, uh, rebuild, I would I I I would hold out for a late first round draft pick. Okay. Okay. Possibly, you know, maybe like a like a Zach Charbonnet second rounder type deal. Try to try to maximize your 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 deal. Obviously. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm going to put it into our handy dandy keep trade cut calculator, which I hate, by the way, by the <laughs> way, I could I used to love this thing until everybody decided that they wanted to flock back to it when nobody knew about it. It was the coolest thing in the world. Now the world knows about it and it makes me sad. According to this, Kyron Williams is a comp. Javante Williams is a comp in a super flex league. Daniel Jones is a comp and a 2025 late first. Um, if you take Superflex off, Damian Pierce and Dalton Kincaid are also comps if this is not tight end premium. I'm holding out for a late 2024 first. I think um, DeAndre Swift will have better games than he will bad games, and be- and he'll play in more games than he'll miss. Mm. So I do think that a late 24 first is not an unreasonable ask for DeAndre Swift at this point in the season. Can that change? goddamn right that can change but right now with the way he's playing with the way that offensive line in philly is opening up holes for him monday night they played the best run defense in the league and the holes for deandre swift to run through were so big you and i could have hit those holes that's ugly so deandre swift is in an amazing position right now go get that 24 first will (laughs) i i will definitely try and that lead, my team was win win now, and just injuries and whatnot have slowed the season. And then also, I had a good stable of running backs. Traded one, another got hurt, another one basically fell off the face of the earth, and now I'm just a mess behind uh, DeAndre Swift being my only real running back. Puka Nakua, he's human. Still had a solid game, but uh, held under 10 catches. Good job, Cincinnati Bengals. Good for you guys. Kind of 
<laughs> I mean, they, they almost lost that game. It, it, it's true. and It, it, it might have been the worst Super Bowl rematch I've ever seen in my entire life. Both teams look like a shell of their former selves. Obviously, that happens when you know Cooper Cup is you know not playing. And also the Rams defense, which they really, outside of um, Donald, really stripped down that defense. They're playing better than they did last year defensively, which is absolutely insane. And it, whatever works, works, man. Yeah, I don't know. And obviously, without any continuity, because Burrow has not really not been able to practice since the start of training camp, they still look awful. A little bit better, and Jamar Chase decided to show up this week, but they look awful. I was going to say, Jamar Chase has sort of turned out, but I want to talk about the other wide receiver that they have there in Cincinnati. T. Higgins has started dreadfully, absolutely horribly dreadfully. He didn't play, or if he played, he didn't do a goddamn thing. Where is my boy T. Higgins? He didn't have uh, a single target week one, which is just hilarious. They lost that game to Cleveland 24-3. Cleveland's defense has been playing very well. Against Baltimore, what did my boy T. Higgins do? T. Higgins, uh, he had 8 for 89 and 2 touchdowns, and Jamar had 5 for 31. And last night, we all know that Jamar Chase was the uh, flavor of the day. It's starting to look like a real either-or situation, which is the opposite of what you want if you're a T. Higgins guy and if you're a Jamar Chase guy. Well, they, they pretty much said, you know, they expect to re-sign Chase, and they, you know, the insinuation was, the report was, that they're going to let Higgins walk. So, you see this start to the year after a report like that comes out, you, you think, like, behind the scenes, they've had these conversations. And if there's any truth to that, obviously Higgins wants to do well, and obviously in this offense, with Burrow is very capable. But I'm almost, like, wondering if you get rid of him just to, like... I don't know. Like, there's a negativity of him knowing he's not coming back. I don't know. But. Nah, if I'm the Bengals, I feature T. Higgins as best that I can, and I move him at the trade deadline. That, he's that's a young, yeah. he's a young stud of a wide receiver, would be a team's number one on 31 other teams. He is that good. I am shocked that they aren't trying to feature him to try to maximize what they can and should get in the trade market for him because if they just let him walk that would be hilariously stupid for the Cincinnati Bengals it would be bad for him it would be bad for the team like who who's going to be their second wide receiver because Tyler Boyd is very old they don't have Hayden Hurst anymore they have Irv Smith who did not play yesterday like their depth chart outside of T Higgins is not good it's no, not, they're, it, they're very top-heavy, mm-hmm. and uh, that's, you know, been the case. Also, why I like Charlie Jones, obviously he's, you know, returning punts for them, hasn't really gotten involved much as a wide receiver yet at all, but I do think that will change uh, at some point. But, yeah, no, it's a it's definite overall mess with the Bengals. Obviously, the injury, Burrow is okay, but the lack of practice time during the week and none in training camp trying to recover – it's clearly affected this offense, and it may be even a few more weeks before they actually, you know, begin to, you know, look like themselves. Even for an offense where, you know, the weapons and Burrow have been together for so long at this point, you wouldn't expect this kind of rust just because they haven't gotten their normal reps in 
you expect they'd be able to kind of make adjustments quickly, and it just it, it hasn't happened. Well, we do know Burrow's coming back from that calf injury, and luckily, at least according to him, he didn't suffer any setbacks during the week, and he played, and he didn't suffer any setbacks during the game. So slowly but surely, I guess the Bengals can come back to form, but also the Bengals have started 0-2 two or three years in a row with Burrow at the, at the, at the top of that lineup, and it doesn't seem to have affected them towards the playoffs and deep into them. So uh, out of all the teams that are starting sluggish, the Bengals are the one is, is the one that I'm least worried about. And I hope that's the method for my fantasy teams this year, because usually Mm -hmm. I get hot starts and then I fade as the season goes on this year. We've taken the opposite approach. We're starting off slow and struggling and we're going to get hot right at the right time. At least that's the goal for the season. I mean, the the goal of the season is to get hot for the playoffs. It doesn't matter how it happens. Exactly. So as long as you're there, mm. like I, I usually lose my within my first three weeks in most of these leagues, and I'm three and zero oh in the one that matters the most. I'm two and one in most of the other ones. I think I'm one and two in maybe one or two in the dynasties that I'm tanking in. I'm tanking incredibly well, incredibly well. Must be nice. It, hey, listen, when, you, when, when you're set up to fail and when you <laughs> lean into that, when, when you're the one setting yourself up to fail on purpose, then that, that's a good thing. Well, again, it means your plan is working out in whatever form. So we mentioned a couple guys to add for the week, Quentin Johnson, Josh Palmer, if they're available. Like I mentioned Michael Wilson already. Kravit, you know, it is the Jerome Ford show. We saw a little bit of Kareem Hunt at, right after being signed. He is the backup. But interesting to see his early usage. Do you think he's actually going to be viable for anyone that probably had him or scrambled to pick him up? Or do you think he will be the pure backup and it's not really worth an ad other than a handcuff? I mean, barring an injury, uh, I think he's purely a handcuff. You went over it last week. The Cleveland Browns had the opportunity to retain both Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt going into this season. They chose Jerome Ford over Kareem Hunt, and they chose him over Hunt for a reason. They played against a really good Tennessee Titans run defense. Like, it's a top three run defense in the league. They're very good right now. And Jerome Ford still had over 19 points. He caught a, he caught a touchdown and ran a touchdown in. He's going to be involved from for, for the rest of the year. Kareem Hunt is just sort of there as, a, as an accessory piece at this point. And I don't really see that changing anytime soon. And... As far as uh, other rookies, you know, some guys take take it slow. Some guys really not expected to contribute much early. A few guys have been expected to contribute a lot early on. Some slowly increasing the workloads, some not. Zach Charbonnet Kravitz was a very guy that was very hyped. His touches slowly increasing. Josh Downs, his touches and targets rapidly increasing. He's jumped Alec Pierce as the number two receiver in that team. And Jalen Hyatt, supposed to be the talented receiver for the Giants, supposed to be that guy, has not been that guy so far. Out of these three guys, you know, that were supposed to be immediate impact kind of guys, which one do you like in the next month? Jeez, in the next month. I mean, if you follow the trend, Zach Charbonnet is going to be the person that matters. 
because he's slowly eating into the opportunities Kenneth Walker has. The problem there is that Ken Walker is turning a lot of those opportunities into positive yardage and touchdowns. Last year, he was very, very stop, go, stop, go. Like he would have five rushes for six yards and then break one off for 60, and he would end up with a respectable line with the touchdown. He sort of has that now, but he's over the past three games, he's been working away from that. My issue with Josh Downs is that we don't know who the quarterback's going to be each and every week because Anthony Richardson is still in, in the concussion protocol. So with Gardner Minshew, yeah, he had 12 targets and caught eight of them. Is he going to continue to have that when Richardson comes back? And you know Richardson's going to come back because the Colts are a mess and they're just going to let him run himself into the ground, even though Minshew just upset the Ravens. What a game by Gardner Minshew. Yeah, Man, listen. Imagine we, if he was your quarterback. I, I Listen, we've been an advocate for Gardner Minshew for the Jets on this program for a very, very, very long time. So you don't got to tell us about the, the legend of the stash. We don't need that. And then my issue with Jalen Hyatt is that he can't be on the field. They don't put him on the field. He doesn't have the opportunities, and he's buried behind Wandale. He's buried behind Waller. He's buried behind Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. All of these guys, they are the same goddamn receiver. And Jalen Hyatt is different, but he can't find the way to you know, carve out a meaningful role. The person who I like who's sort of in that same boat is somebody you didn't mention. I like Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims over in Denver. He's got two touchdowns on this young season. One of them a punt return for 99 yards. Another one is a receiving touchdown. I think it was for 60, 60 yards, 65 yards, somewhere in that realm. Marvin yeah. Mims, the issue with Marvin Mims, the same issue with Jalen Hyatt, the same issue with Josh Downs. The, he, he's not on the field. He saw less than 25% of the snaps over the last uh, three weeks. He just can't get on the field. He's only been targeted nine times. He's already got about 200 yards and two touchdowns on the year. So when he has the ball in his hands, the kid is electric. He just doesn't have the opportunity or any reason to be on the field right now. He's a legitimate wide receiver three. He's the 33rd ranked receiver in PPR. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, the extra six points on that punt return helps. And, it's, and, and imagine if you're in a return yardage league, Marvin Mims is ridiculously valuable to you. And the, the other thing is that offense isn't great overall. Cortland Sutton revived his life this past week. Jerry Judy has been solid. But those guys both have injury history, so Mims can be elevated at any point. Uh, another just like... When the you're a receiver and you're younger, you're either immediately targeted like you're a number one kind of guy if you're that good, you know, a la a Zay Flowers or a Puka Nakua. But otherwise, you know, you're, you know, a big play option, which is what you see from like Michael Wilson, what, you know, the few opportunities are for Mims and for, you know, Jackson and Jigba. Jordan Addison, the same way, has, you know, slightly more targets. But a lot of his, you know, points have been big plays, uh, big touchdowns. So that's kind of where the rookie receivers start. So as the season builds, you know, you're hoping you just see more of it. But the connection with Wilson is honestly better, I think, than like his typical connection with Sutton. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, cut into those uh, 
targets a little bit more as the weeks go by. I'd love that, but just have him on the field more than literally less than a quarter of the time. We don't really have too many guys that I'd say, you know, ready to give up on, at least not this week, but there is one. And I was a fan of, I wanted it to be a thing, but Rashad Bateman. Yeah, he's not it. He's not it at all. The Ravens offense also is not it at all. You figured with Lamar back and with all these weapons, even like a few of them slightly banged up, that it was going to be a much better offense in general. They still need Lamar to be Superman. They need him to pass. They need him to run. They need him to do everything because that offense is very stagnant right now. And you watch them and sometimes you just shake your head. Like, how is this possible? When you also add, you know, Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, Bateman back, and right now Odell dealing with an injury. But there's too many weapons that this is happening. I know they don't have Dobbins, but Edwards and the other running backs they have, they're good enough. And this, it's it's a shame. I'm going to disagree on the running backs. Gus Edwards is in the concussion protocol now, so he's not it. Um, justice Hill again. It's still justice for Crab season when no, no, no. he comes just, back just, from the just, ankle injury. Justice, justice is done. Justice is absent. Melvin Gordon is better than Justice Hill. Okay, so but 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 you just said that Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, are are serviceable enough. I disagree. Like that's a team I could see trying to trade for a running back right now. Like they could have done well to go ahead and get Cam Akers instead of the Minnesota Vikings, who, by the way, traded for Cam Akers. Not only did they trade for Cam Akers, they traded the literal least amount of capital to get him. Like, you couldn't, you can't trade any less in the NFL to get somebody than what the Minnesota Vikings traded to get Cam Akers, which means the Rams desperately had to get rid of Cam Akers because he's got some tread. He's not like a bad football player, but he's just a, not a fit for that locker room at all. Yeah, I mean, he's shown flashes, but it's never really been the same after that Achilles injury. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. The uh, The Ravens are absolutely a candidate to try to trade for a running back. I don't know who that might be. Leonard Fournette is still out there. I'm also just saying. So that would honestly be the cheapest option and I think a perfect fit for him. But... I, I really don't understand, honestly, how Fournette is still out there. Reports are that he was out of shape during, like, training camp season. I don't know if that actually was anything or will become anything, but definitely a name to keep an eye on as we get through the next few weeks and as the injuries begin to stack up across the league. We've had a lot of injuries so far this year and a lot of major injuries, and especially a lot of quarterbacks, surprisingly. A lot of quarterbacks and a lot of running backs, although evidently, the running backs may be exaggerating their injuries. Or at least that's that's what the NFL is saying. I refuse to believe it. <laughs> um, wouldn't be surprised the NFL has done some uh, questionable things. So I'm probably the NFLPA <laughs> trying to do something. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not here to push conspiracy theories. I'm not Aaron Rodgers. I don't have a tinfoil hat. None of that. I'm not here to push any of that. I'm not here to say the deep state put together Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey to completely marry pop culture and sports. Not here to do that either. Are you, and you're not here to mention that her favorite team is the Eagles, who also have a Swift and a Kelsey? 
Can we just end the show now? I'm depressed now. <laughs> uh, well, that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. And starting week four, we're going to have our first uh, buy low, sell high session as we get into like the meat of the season. And this is kind of where you know the trades typically start after about three, four weeks in. You have a general idea. They do, do they? Yeah, they do. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. Oh, I didn't say us. Yeah, we're not we're not trading, but that's besides the point. Ultimately, this is where the trade season uh, typically begins. People try to start making some moves. So we'll get into that next week. And as always, I'm Bill Nye, the Dynasty Guy. He's the Krav, and you're listening to First Down Dynasty. Have a good night, everybody.